Welcome to this episode of the Great Mind Series podcast, brought to you by Innoversity. Innoversity, the learning experts. Welcome to this edition of the Great Mind Series. We are honored today to uh, to have Yukai Chow with us. Um, Yukai, I, I, I'm sure that you're a humble man, and so I'm going to brag about you a little bit so that you don't have to do it about yourself. <laughs> Hardly. Uh, <yeah. laughs> Yukai is, is an interesting character. He's, he's somebody who's been involved in gamification for a long time, uh, all the way back to, to 2003, um, which is remarkable. I'm not even sure in 2003 that gamification was a word yet, but we can talk about that in a bit as you've seen this industry and, and this, this idea develop. Um, Yukai has been rated the uh, number one gamification guru by, uh, by Rise, and, and he's also been uh, awarded the gamification guru of the year by um, the World Gamification Congress for both 2014 and 2015. He has helped companies around the world from very small startups to, uh, to Fortune 500 companies. He's worked with Lego. He's, uh, he's worked with Fidelity, AIG Japan, Verizon, HP, Ericsson, Cisco, Wells Fargo, and, and many, many more. His work has been featured in Forbes magazine, in the Wall Street Journal, in the World Journal, in uh, Business Insider, PBS, and in many, many, many other places. Sir, it is an honor to, uh, to have you on our podcast today, and, and uh, we thank you for making time for this. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us where you are right now. I am currently in San Francisco. Is that where you live and work? Uh, yes, I'm based in Fremont, so about 40 minutes south of San Francisco, closer to Palo Alto. Okay. Um, but I do travel about half the time. So uh, last month I was working with Lego in Denmark, and then in two weeks I'm flying out to Japan again. Fantastic. So let's begin with your background. How did you become a gamification guru? Uh, I think... Guru was just something that was slapped on much later in my life, but the 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 way I started my path was in before two thousand and three. I was a very heavy gamer, and I played a lot of games at the time. I was uh, playing this game called Diablo two, so I spent literally thousands of hours playing the game, leveling up, getting you know stronger in my skills, and building allies, taking down quests. And then at one point, my friends started quitting the game and they moved on to other games. So I quit too. So I was in that transitional period between quitting one game and starting another. And I felt extremely empty. I just felt, well, all those thousands of hours of making my character stronger just vanished, right? And so part of my life just disappeared. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a very empty feeling. And I just started thinking, well, what game can I play that a lot of people are playing and they just can't you know, quit and play a new game? And then I realized, well, that's kind of like life. Life is a game that everyone's playing, but not everyone is actively playing it. Some people are what we call in town, just being idle, like watching TV, not doing much. So once I realized that, hey, my peers are mostly just being idle in town. So if I go out and kill monsters, basically gain experience, level up, choose my ability tree and, and build allies and conquer quests, I will level up in real life and potentially be... Uh, what we call the the highest, the strongest player on a server. So I became obsessed with two two different things. One is how to make life more fun, and two, how to make games more productive. And so throughout the years, I started a few technology startups, 
And uh, eventually, I published the Octalysis Framework, which is a, uh, a crystallization of all the work that I've done, my, all my experience, and that really got picked up. So uh, many, many years later, when there was a, a game creation industry, uh, people saw me as one of the leaders in that industry. Yeah, because you'd been at it a long time, and obviously you're, you're passionate about it. Yep. Connect for us. Uh, Innoversity is obviously a learning, training, and development company. <clears throat> we work with companies around the world to help them train their people. We work with K-12. We work with universities. We work with uh, corporations, and we work with nonprofits. Connect for us the world of training, learning, and development and gamification. Okay, so first of all, game gamification applies game design, and game design is all about how the brain responds to stimuli, right? Because there's a lot of things that are important that we know we should do, you know, healthcare, education, training, but we don't necessarily want to do, so we procrastinate. And then we spend all these hours on games that have no purpose, right? Once you, like, like I said earlier, once you stop the game, nothing stays with you. So, but you, people can spend three, five, seven, ten hours a day just playing games. Mm-hmm. So, so part of it is understanding what among those games really bring us into that experience. So, so I'm well known for the Octalysis framework, which breaks, basically breaks down all motivation into what we call the eight core drives. So everything you do is based on one or more of these eight core drives, which means that there, if there's none of those eight core drives, there's zero motivation. No behavior happens. And then among the eight, there's different, core, there's different natures of those core drives, like what we call the white hat core drives, mm-hmm. that make people feel powerful, in control, they feel good. But there's no sense of urgency. So if we do it, it makes us happy, if we, but we just don't want it. We just don't do it because there's, it's, there's, we can do it anytime we want. Then there's the black hat core drives that make people feel urgent, obsessed, even addicted, uh, but in the long run leaves a bad taste in our mouths because uh, we feel like we're not in control of our own actions. Uh, this, this includes things like loss and avoidance in terms of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm studying, I'm getting trained to not get fired, to not get a bad grade, to not you know, mess up my career. So um, basically high school for me. Yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> or lots of, lots of schools, I'd yeah, say. Yeah. Um, and then there's what we call the left brain core drives, uh, which is not geographic on the left side, but symbolic and meaning our logical brain that deals with extrinsic motivation, things we do for reward, a purpose, or a goal. But we don't necessarily enjoy the activity itself. So once we obtain the reward, we get the goal, or we get used to the reward, we stop doing that activity. Then there's what we call the right brain core drives that are based on intrinsic motivation. So things we just enjoy doing to the point that we, we would even pay money to experience. And so most companies like to design for extrinsic motivation. I'm going to get back to that training education soon and just laying the groundwork uh, because it's just so much easier to put a reward or a goal or a, a, you know, a certificate on an activity you want to see. Check, as check, opposed, off, check the box, get, a, get the certificate, yes. uh, be done with it. Yeah, you've, you've, you've finished it and, and you move on quickly. Yes, and that's easier to design for as opposed to making the activity itself fun. The problem is it creates something we call the over-justification effect. So science have shown what you know, extrinsic motivation kills intrinsic motivation. So what does that mean? Let's say I love to draw, and I always draw for free. Science have shown that one of the best ways for you to get me to stop drawing is to first pay me to do it. And at the beginning, I'm excited, right? Yay, I get paid to do my passion. And then pay me less and less and less, you know, $50, $10, $1, $0.20. At one point, I will refuse to draw because, you know, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to draw for $0.20, cents, right? But before I met you, I drew for free. So you have transitioned my intrinsic joy of drawing 
into that extrinsic motivation of making money. So when the money's not enough, I stop drawing altogether. So this goes back into education. This, this principle is very important between intrinsic versus extrinsic. We as human beings have an innate desire to learn. We love to learn. In fact, when, some, when there's no more learning, things get boring. Things get repetitive. There's nothing new, right? However, the school system, education training programs all focus on extrinsic motivation. So it's all about, like we talked about, the GPA, the grade, mm-hmm. the, the diploma, the, the, uh, the career advancements, that we just do it for those things, and we no longer are interested in the learning material. And this is why a lot of people take a test um, just, or study just to take a test, and once they finish the test, they forget 80% of what they've learned. And, um, and I talk a lot about how these kids who play card games like Magic the Gathering, they have to memorize a lot of information. There's over a thousand cards. There's uh, you know different stats and numbers on all these cards, sometimes two to six. And the kids who play this well not only memorize every single uh, card, they memorize things like, oh, your card counters my card, counters your, his card. So that's, if you think about it, that's actually more information than the periodic table, right? It's like, it's like these kids not only knew every, uh, memorize every single element, they memorize the exact placement, exact weight, and exactly how every single element interacts with every other element. So they're going to be like, well, this plus this is the granite combo, but if you switch the order around, it's the diamond combo, it's more powerful. So it's mind-blowing. But when you ask them again, so what is the fourth element? They're like, oh, I don't know, nitrogen, oxygen, <laughs> I don't know. And it's not because they suddenly went from a genius to an idiot. It's because for the tests, right, for the, the periodic table, they study it to pass the test, to get their extrinsic reward. And they study hard enough just to get their acceptable score, the goal, and they stop. Then they go out and play games. But when they study this stuff for, for the card games, Every card allows them to utilize new strategies, to beat their friends, to become more powerful. And if as a means to an end, they have to learn a lot of things, they have to memorize things, that's not only acceptable, it's even enjoyable. So a lot of my work in training and education is trying to bring the learning material, the the context, back from extrinsic motivation, doing it for the reward, into you're doing it because you just love learning. Because the, the act of learning and practicing and seeing feedback itself is engaging and, and rewarding. And then finally, it's adding purpose, understanding you know, why people are learning this. How can they use this beyond just, just you know, passing a test? So <clears throat> many of the people that will be listening to this are instructional designers. You have talked about motivation, um, you know, sort of changing the, the, the motivation parameters to – think through how to motivate people to do this. And and most of us have had that experience in school. Many, many, many people have had that experience being trained or developed at work in, in uh, less than less than quality uh, training circumstances. Um, how do you take what your concepts are and get them into design itself? So if I am the chief learning officer at company X and I need to think through the things that you're saying, the the principles that you're saying and convert them into training. What, how do I think about this in terms of design? Okay. So the first step is to understand, okay, what is already in the system? What is the motivation for people to take this training? And a lot of time it is that, again, loss and avoidance core drive where people just don't want to get penalized. Sometimes it's a development accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So some, some training programs add, you know, the points, the badges, the progression. Badges. 
Yeah, so that's a level, that's a core drive to development accomplishment design. And usually most of that, some some of them add collection sets, so that's ownership possession. But usually most of them go towards black hat and extrinsic motivation, right? Doing something for points and badges, you're still doing it for extrinsic motivation, except, you know, you're not doing it because you enjoy the learning material. So the key to utilize the framework is, okay, how do we utilize the right brain core drives, which come from core drive three, empowerment of creativity and feedback? How do you give users and, and the learners meaningful choices, autonomy, different ways to express what they've learned and, and try different strategies, see mm-hmm. feedback, and then go back and, uh, and um, adjust? So you want to give them a lot more scenario-based learning. Um, a lot of times when they keep, you know, if it's just memorize a lot of things and spit it back out, right. we don't that's, like that. As- that's what we see all the time. It's, you know, it's, it's three slides and then four questions and then three slides and four questions. And it's, you know, it's, it's not difficult to understand why that becomes mind-numbing at some point. We, at Innoversity, we, we have a theory that at some point the line between training, learning, education, and entertainment gets blurred when we get this right we would yeah. actually choose to do this and and so it's there's there's no you know carrot there's no stick i i actually choose to do this i i feel fulfilled when i learn and and something you said earlier very important to us is that you know right in our mission statement right in our vision statement is that we are actually created we're wired to learn when we stop learning bad things happen to us we're wired yeah. to do it um, and and so your ideas are interesting to me because you're you're getting at that. How do we cross over to where people are actually choosing to um, learn more, to develop more? Yes. So definitely. And what I just mentioned is core drive three: empowerment of creative and feedback. There's two other uh, intrinsic motivation core drives, the other being core drive five, social influence and relatedness. How do you make learning more social? How do you bring people mm-hmm. together and be rewarding as we're learning together? So that, you know, a lot of systems get people to spam their friends, but they don't create a, a, an environment where it's more rewarding as they play or learn together. And finally, there's core drive seven, unpredictability and curiosity. So how do you always make sure uh, there's new content? How do you make sure there's a surprising delights, delightful experiences every time the user comes back and engages with that training material? So again, usually when our brains can fit something in your pattern, we, you know, it kind of shuts down and it goes on autopilot. So, but if, if every time they come back, there's something surprising, there's something delightful, there's something that's, um, that's like an Easter egg or a mystery box. Right then they're, they want to come back a lot more often and they feel happy to do that more often. So some key concepts I'm hearing from you are, are that idea of, of delight is and, and a surprise is a powerful one. The other one I thought that you said a, a, a bit ago with giving people the opportunity to try something and then go back. And so it's it's scenario-based, but so many of the scenarios are so easy. It's obvious yes. what I'm supposed to do. And you don't give me a chance to actually have to stop and say, well, wait, I'm not really sure what to do here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's that's a huge problem in the training program, even scenario-based, right? Because a lot of times for leadership training, you get you get training with a question set of, oh, you're, you know, one of your team members 
feel upset because of this reason of this what you should do option one ignore them option two make fun of them option three (laughs) comfort them i usually choose option two to make fun of them that yeah uh, Yeah. personal choice and then and it's like duh like this is so obvious i'm gonna choose this one but what's actually interesting in management is not these options it's like oh well you have a team of nine people you know this guy doesn't like the other these five have been working together for a long time that's a little fish and they're competing they're rivals and how do you get how do you motivate one person without uh, getting the other person upset how do you promote one person without getting the rest of the eight just just demoralized those are interesting challenges that leaders often have to think about and so if there is some type of training it's not easy to create but it's like well there's a lot of things you could do and none of them is right or wrong it depends on your style but also they lead to different consequences so you do this you do this you talk to this person about a and at the end it tells you hey based on all your decisions you've made this is the result right one person left the company these two got promoted blah 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 but if you then you can go back and make other choices well what if i said this instead what if i did this instead and they gave you another set of consequences. Now you're learning them. This is interesting. And you get to see the consequences of all your choices and, so and some, grow from that. So some decision trees, um, but not simple. I, I, you know, to your, to your delight and surprise, you're, you're adding the, the word complexity in my mind. These things need to be real, real world and they need to be complex enough uh, that I'm going to stop and say, uh, boy, I, I am not – Entirely, which is what real life is. I'm not entirely sure what to do right now. The key here, again, is about meaningful choices. Basically, everyone who plays the game, goes to training, should be able to play it differently. It's like mm-hmm. if you give, you know, and, and so if, if you have 100 users and all 100 of them do the exact same step, basically do this 10 times, get this badge, do this 20 times, get that badge. Everyone's going to do the same way. There's no meaningful choices. And usually it's boring. It's all extrinsic motivation, right? It's the badge. It's the reward. It's the money at the end. But if, let's say, 30 people do it, play it one way, 30 play another way, and 40 play it a third way, but they all get to reach the win state. They all get to complete it. Then there's a little bit of meaningful choices, right? But let's say if you give a, you know, a bunch of children a set of Lego and you tell them to build something, it's almost impossible uh, that they build exactly the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. besides copying each other. So, um, so the key about fun, fun is about meaningful choices. You know, every time, and empowerment of creativity and feedback is on the right top of the Octalysis framework of Octagon shape. So it's white hat and intrinsic, which means that it's the long last, longest lasting evergreen type of engagement. Every game in history has this core drive three in it. So if you think about chess, right, very simple game, you know, 32 pieces, 64 squares. And, uh, but people have been playing this game for centuries and studying it, and it's still fun. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be like every week, add a new piece, new, a new board, a new map, a new hero enters the scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's just our brains are engaging themselves. So when you add that a meaningful choice, empowerment of creativity and feedback, uh, users are, are innately engaged and they want to try different things and they want to learn. So it doesn't... It definitely is more complex than linear experience where everyone played the same mm-hmm. way, but it doesn't have to be like users don't necessarily need to feel confused or not sure what they do. It's basically, well, different. I can take different actions in different orders and they all and they give me different types of feedback. That's where it's very important. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. Can you um, can you talk about uh, 
a bit of the work that you do with some of the companies uh, with whom you've engaged? Yeah, so topically, uh, I work with a company called Morph Media, and their goal is to gamify SEC and regulation compliance for financial firms and mortgage, you know, and <laughs> oil industries. So you're going to take regulatory compliance-based training and you're going to gamify it. Yes. And so it's, you know, you can imagine that usually it's the most important thing. There's thousands oh, of is. pages. Uh, it keeps changing and no one wants to study that, right? And so right. my job is to make it so much more fun that whenever an employee finishes one module, they're, they're asking, hey, where's, when can I take the next training module? Which does not happen very much in, in a natural habitat. Um, um, ever. I'm going to go with ever. <laughs> uh, that never happens. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of, that's an interesting and exciting project. Um, some, sometimes it's getting, uh, uh, training people that you don't, that aren't your employees. So when I, when I was at, when I was working at eBay or I was consulting for eBay, um, I'm, my job was to help them uh, design a dashboard that, that trains their small CDC sellers to become more professional sellers. So, because, you know, their sellers define the eBay experience, right? Um, so they want to make sure these small sellers are motivated to, you know, do, do what good sellers do, you know, take more than four photos, allow print shipping label, um, respond within 24 hours. That's one. Sometimes it's like a behavioral type of role. So there's a company called dreams cloud I can sell for that basically try to get people to, uh, record their dreams onto their phones every time, every morning when they wake up, hmm. which is a high desire. It was a very difficult desired behavior because when you wake up, you're not thinking about recording your dream. You're thinking about right. preparing for work or school. But if you don't do it immediately within probably 20 seconds, you, you can't even remember it anymore. Mm -hmm. So, so as long as it relates to behavioral change, uh, that's when companies hire me and, and it could be motivating the employees or their customers. Uh, sometimes I'm marketing, creating a more gamified marketing sure. campaign. Uh, I work with a university in Norway to gamify their master's program. So it just gets kind of across the board. Fantastic. And, and so as long as it's related to motivation then, uh, and you can define a desired behavior, then uh, my work in the Octalysis framework gamification can, uh, can help. Great. So that leads me to um, my last question, and it's, this is the same question we ask everyone who's on this podcast. Um, tell us a story. Tell us uh, a story of work you did where you walked away at the end of it and thought, that was perfect. That was exactly right. Or, or I, I shouldn't really uh, lay out the parameters that way. It may be a story of, of failure. But tell us a story from which we can learn. I have to feel, I have to, I, I can, I can, um, uh, elaborate more on the eBay engagement because I thought that was something that people can probably understand and relate to. And, uh, pretty interesting, I'd say. Great. If you're cool. Okay. So, so again, eBay, they recognize that the unique thing about them compared to other seller, uh, merch, merchants like Amazon is that they have these, these, uh, small C2C niche sellers that sell very, very niche items things that you can't find on other platforms like Amazon. Uh, now, the problem is that the, these niche sellers, the all the CDC sellers, are also less professional, right? Because, so, so they create what they call uh, BBEs, bad buying experiences. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, that's a paradox because the very thing that attracts people to, to, to use eBay is the same thing that kicks them away. You know, it's these small C2C sellers. Right. And so I was brought in to figure out, okay, how do we motivate uh, these, these small CDC sellers to become more professional? 
and and the key is to through your seller's dashboard. And a few there's a few interesting lessons. First of all, you always want to define your business metrics correctly, right? And so uh, at the beginning, they were thinking about uh, and, and still there's a lot of things I can't share, but there's a few I can. Uh, which at the beginning they were thinking about okay, well let's let when we define our business metrics, let's say you know average time on the seller's dashboard. If they spend a lot of time on it, then we're successful. Then I said, well, well, I don't think that's exactly what you want because if you just want people to spend more time on the seller's dashboard, you can just put like, you know, uh, solitaire on your seller's dashboard and people <laughs> spend more time on it. Uh, but your business isn't necessarily more successful. So then I had to break it down into what we call desired actions, desired behavior, right? Um, everything we do, I do has to break down to desired action. Like if someone says, I, I want to solve world hunger, well, I don't know how to solve world hunger because it's not a desired action. Um, I don't know what's the action that anyone should take. But mm -hmm. however, if they say, oh, well, I want to get all Americans to donate food uh, in the mor every morning to, to uh, third world countries. That's a, that's a, there's a player, there's a desired action. I can, I can increase that motivation. Or we want to get... Uh, and you can measure it. Yes. Or we want to get people in third world countries to have better sanitation and you know, wash their food every morning. That has a player, has a desired action, we can do that. So eBay boils it down to, okay, well, like I said, we noticed that all the best sellers and, and the experience that have, low, have no bad buying experiences are ones where the sellers upload more than four photos, are when they respond by 24 hours, and are ones that the, 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 the uh, seller enables print shipping label. So, okay, now we have the desired actions. Now, the key, another thing is think about how do you bring those core drives into the experience. And core drive one is epic media and calling which means that you're motivated because you're doing something bigger than yourself and you're saving the world. You're doing something epic. And so I was telling, I told them that, Hey, look, the small C2C sellers are bad sellers, not because they're dumber than other sellers. It's because they don't care. They think they're just getting rid of stuff from their garage. Right. But if you can make them feel, believe that, Hey, look, I'm selling my stuff on eBay, which, which means that, hey, I, I'm owning my own business. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, I should you know, offer better customer service. Of course, I should you know, uh, uh, provide more reliable services and, uh, and, and take more pictures. So the key is about how to bring that epic meaning calling to the messaging, making people care. You know, it's like this is, this is your chance. And you know, most people, they want to be their own boss. They want to start their own business. They want to be an entrepreneur. And sometimes if you connect that, I know a lot of entrepreneurs I respect. Their first business was an eBay business, and it was just they were playing with it, and they realized, you know, this is really exciting and fun when they had when they have control again. This empowerment of creating new feedback. When I sell at this price, I get to get observe what happens. I get to see right. how it goes, and I get a reward from that. So that's one thing. The second is thinking about okay, what kind of rewards can we design for? And most companies like to design for again extrinsic motivation, right? Giving people stuff or you know, discounts. And I really, I a lot of times talk about the best type of reward is a booster, things that allow people to do the desired activities even more efficiently. So, so if you look at a game, let's say the game's desired action is to kill a lot of monsters. And after killing a thousand monsters, your reward is a powerful sword. Now, at that point, it makes zero sense to quit the game, right? The only thing that makes sense is to go back and kill more monsters faster. Mm -hmm. um, in the case of Farmville, uh, at the beginning you farm one square at a time, one square at a time, and then your farm grows and grows, and you're happy, but it gets more laborious. So they give you this amazing reward of a tractor, which allows you to farm four squares at once, four squares at once. So again, when people get they're excited, it makes them play the game for much much longer, as opposed to yay, I proved I reached rank you know rank ten, 
I'm going to quit now. Um, so we explored on eBay, okay, what kind of uh, reward can we give out? And then there was, oh, well, we can give out a seller's kit if people are constantly doing the behavior well, they're leveling up, they're achieving higher status. Uh, so for instance, a portable backdrop, so people, so the sellers can take better photos, right? Because th- these, these sellers are the ones who have been reliably taking four photos, they're leveling up, they've achieved status, and now they get a reward which allows them to take photos even better. Or a, port- a portable way, which allows them to do the print shipping label more easily. Mm-hmm. So, so overall, it's to really think about, okay, how do you bring in that epic meaning column? That's the white hat motivation. How do you give people boosters to play the game better, right? That's some, a lot of empowerment of creativity and feedback. So you can strategize on how do you obtain these rewards and, and, and optimize your game. Um, also about social influence and relatedness. Is there a way to have um, veteran eBay sellers become mentors of, uh, newbie eBay sellers because most people don't like to deal with customer support, right? And most questions are about, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? And it's like, oh, click on this link, then click this button. You know, it's a lot of money for for eBay. It's a demoralizing experience for the use for the newbie sellers. Um, but let's say if the newbie sellers can actually ask these questions to to veteran sellers, and these are role models, right? Wow, you're doing so well on eBay. You're you're making so much money. I wish I can be like that. Mm-hmm. And, the, and so now there's a social relationship on right. selling on eBay. And uh, so, so again, a lot of these things, uh, these core drives, especially the white hat intrinsic, come together. And uh, I really believe that that was a very compelling type of design that will increase their behavior. Now, um, afterwards, the person that was really pushing that left the company and someone else took over. And I think the product came out less than what is ideal deal in terms of in terms of what was what it was designed for but i felt uh, the engagement was very interesting and i think there's a lot of lessons learned from that engagement fantastic well yukai it has been an honor to to have an opportunity to uh to think with you and uh, to engage you in this discussion the gamification world is is absolutely fascinating most of the clients that we talk to are interested in figuring out how to uh, bring more of these components into the, the motivation and some of the surprise. They're, they're, they're really interested in, in treating their people very, very, very well uh, by, by providing the best possible training and, and development platforms and programs that they possibly can. And this is a, feels to me and, and to many people like a key component to doing that. So thank yep. you so much for your time today and uh, we really appreciate it. I appreciate it too. Thank you. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Great Mind Series podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes and share the word with your family and friends. The Great Mind Series is brought to you today by Innoversity. Innoversity, the learning experts.